Hello, my name is Darren Byrne and welcome to the fourth podcast in our mini-series on best practices, lessons learned and general advice on how to be successful with Agile at the enterprise scale using Scaled Agile Framework or SAFE for short. The idea for these podcasts came out of the SAFE Leadership Retreat, which was hosted at the Dalmahoy Hotel in Edinburgh, Scotland from June 6th to 8th, 2017. The event brought together experienced SAFE practitioners to continue building the community and creatively take SAFE forward. In this cast, we're going to do a part two with Lean Agile coach Mark Richards, who lives and works in Melbourne, Australia, but is often on the road consulting with clients. As a reminder, Mark was one of the first certified SAFE program consultants when the framework was launched back in 2012. And since, since then, he's become the first person worldwide to be a certified SAFE program consultant trainer. The topic of this interview was on the often thorny subject of metrics. So we got right to it and I asked Mark, why would we want or not want metrics for our trains? That's a really interesting question. Um, why would we not want metrics? I don't know that I have an answer to that, but, uh, but, but I guess if I was to delve into it, if I wound the clock back to my pre-safe years, um, I, I found we got very excited about agile team metrics, burn down charts and velocity and stories accepted. Um, and, and we carefully built some in theory team level metrics that the teams might have understood and the organization had no clue about. So you had a layer of translation. Team produced some metrics, somebody sitting above the team translated those metrics into something the organization might care about, mm -hmm. um, that perhaps bore very little relationship to the agile metrics. Um, so the organization continued to talk about what it had always talked about, mm -hmm. right? Are we red, amber or green? What's our percentage complete? And which phase gates are we passing? Um, and, and what happens then, of course, is you're only as agile as the, the height you climb in the organization and, and are still thinking about agile and lean metrics. Um, now, when, when SAFE came along, it, it kind of extended our reach because we went from thinking about team metrics being agile to say, well, actually, we've got a team of teams that's agile. We're now program level. We can preserve that metric level to another you know, escalation in the hierarchy. Um, so, so we continue more the mindset to more senior levels. But then, of course, what happens is that the, the trains look at agile metrics and lean metrics, and then they translate them again to what is the corporate governance function looking for in terms of their metrics. Mm -hmm. We're back to red, amber, and green, and percentage complete and phase guides. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just taken us a little bit longer to get there. Um, but if we really want to change, and metrics change so much about they shape the organization's behavior. Um, so if we don't really start to change that metric and measurement conversation, we're never going to change our governance approach. Mm. And, uh, and I guess I spent years sitting there in, in safe courses talking about, you know, govern outcomes, not progress. <laughs> um, and you talk about it and, and people go, yeah, that makes sense. And then they change nothing. Um, but if, if you want something, if you want somebody to adopt something new, they've got to have something new to grab onto before they can let go of anything old. And, uh, and I found we'd have these discussions, you know, you've got to start to have more deliberate discussions around value. You've got to, um, you know, start to think about lead time, you know, key metric and lean. And they go, that's really cool. 
and not do anything with it because that was hard. So I got interested in saying, well, what's something that can help to frame and trigger that new conversation? Next, I asked Mark about some of the core areas to look at with respect to train-based metrics. What should we be looking at specifically? Heads up, there's a lot packed into this answer. So if you're interested in the topic, and I assume you are because you're listening to it, hit pause, go grab yourself a pen and paper or digital device of your choice. So I have a favorite couple of quotes around metrics and I never get them word perfect. Uh, but, uh, but Deming's got some rippers, uh, give a manager a target and he'll cheerfully destroy the organization to achieve it. Uh, he's got another one around, um, you know, focus on short-term profitability will cause you to destroy your company. Uh, it's easy to achieve short-term profitability by sacrificing investment in R&D and so on and so forth. Um, or, or then Andy Grove. Right. For every metric, you should choose a paired metric that will measure the adverse consequences of the first metric. <laughs> um, so as I started thinking about metrics, I really wanted to look at, are we getting better outcomes and are we doing it sustainably? And, and make sure that we had a multifaceted angle on it. And uh, I start off looking at balanced scorecard because I thought, well, maybe there's a hint for me in a balanced scorecard structure and I can start to think about a lean agile balanced scorecard. Didn't quite translate metaphors well. Um, so I really wound up with four quadrants. Um, uh, you know, are we improving outcomes? I was really looking at, are we having a greater impact on the, the business? You know, what are the key KPIs that, that are driving business success? Are we achieving change there? Um, are we more adaptable and, and more rapidly able to move in market where we start to head down some of the lean metrics around late time? Mm -hmm. So if that was my, are we getting better outcomes metrics, then, then uh, you know, is it sustainable? Well, has our culture holding up? Because if we're destroying our culture to get the outcomes, there's no sustainability. Mm -hmm. um, and are we preserving quality? Because if we're taking quality shortcuts to achieve the outcomes, there's no sustainability there either. And, and again, in the quality lens, I, I, I'm back to Deming, are we building quality in? So it's, it's really looking at through improvement impacts, sustainability of that improvement, um, business impact, speed, culture, quality. So I didn't know about this term before I went to the conference. I learned it at the conference. So I asked Mark, what is an OKR? So OKR is short for objective and key result. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I must confess, it was a term I'd heard bandied around regularly. I'd never made it to anywhere near the top of my book, log, uh, my book backlog. Um, I spent months working on this metrics model for SAFE. And you know, I looked at metrics that were working with my clients and helping them get that change. I looked at metrics I thought they should be using um, I got inspiration from the DevOps handbook around a lot of the quality and speed metrics. Um, and I put together this model and, and I thrashed it through with Dean and, you know, simplified it a little bit um, and very proudly published it. And then I was looking at submissions to the Agile Alliance conference and I was going to submit on metrics and I saw a swag of call, uh, submissions relating to objects, objectives and key results. And I thought... Okay, this is obviously getting popular um, and it's nothing to do with anything that I've just defined. Am I going to learn about OKRs and completely invalidate my labour of love from the last six to nine months? Uh, so I went reading. Uh, I read a book 
called Radical Focus, um, which is a great little treatise on the concept. Um, it's one of those fable-style books. You, you read the fable, and you read some of the theory behind the fable. Uh, so the idea originated from Intel. Um, it, it came after their, their quite famous moment when they realized that perhaps they should be focusing on processors as opposed to memory. Um, and, uh, and they were looking for it as a means of steering and unfolding strategic objectives. Um, so the core concept is I have a qualitative objective, the O in OKR, and then I need some ability to quantify my impact in that state, uh, which is the KR or the key result. So qualitative objective, I would like to achieve more test automation. Well, how would I know that I'd done that? How would I measure it? Because, you know, I could write a lot of automated tests that don't actually give me any value. <laughs> um, so it's this discipline of starting to pair a qualitative and a set of quantitative objectives. Um, it, what Intel did, Google took and, and amplified. So the, the entire Google corporate objective setting process is, is based on this notion of objectives and key results. Um, they start at the various highest level. Um, they're looking at whole of Google. Uh, and then that, that gets unfolded to the next level and, and a particular branch division uh, will look and say, well, what are our objectives in terms of how we can contribute to the overarching objective? And um, it, was, it was really interesting stuff to read and I started to think about how I might think about using it. Did it invalidate my thinking? Um, but then I thought the, the, the objectives, uh, the, the OKR is about generating momentum in a direction where my approach in terms of my metrics model have been are we trending in the right direction as opposed to are we generating momentum and how are we generating momentum so I started to look at well how might I use it and and really there have been two areas I've focused on uh, one is improvement so you talk to any Agile team, Agile train about improvement and retrospectives and they'll say we're very good at having retrospectives and we're very bad at doing anything with the outcomes. We, we, we specify improvement initiatives and, you know, do we really achieve them? Nobody really knows. Um, so I got interested in saying, well, what, what about if we crystallised our improvement objectives and built in measures to see whether we'd actually achieve the improvement? Um, and by making more concrete statements around the areas in which we're trying to improve, will that change our level of discipline in driving the improvement? Um, so I experiment with that, very useful. Uh, the, the other one is, and, and a number of companies are using this in terms of product strategy. So every feature I build, I have a hypothesis that it will move some needles for me. Uh, what are those needles? How will I measure whether it's moved them? Mm -hmm do I start to incorporate the notion of objectives and key results into my product features? Uh, and then when I get into the measure and learn stage of my build measure learn life cycle, I, I know what the needles are that I'm looking for and, and I can take that learning uh, and feed it back into my ongoing product strategy. So you, you get a natural synergy behind, I have some strategic levers I'm trying to move. I have features that I'm building in an attempt to move the strategic levers I'm using a, a tool, objectives and key results, to drive my granular feature-by-feature feature strategy. But I know some features will win and some will lose. 
I, I, I don't know that layer, which is, you know, what are the holistic outcomes I'm looking for and I'm doing trend-based analysis there. Okay, I got a bit cheeky with the next one. I asked if he had to pick one metric, what would it be? What is the one metric to rule them all? I, I, it's, uh, it's a tough question. I love to do this to my students. I give them lots of important things and say pick an important one. <laughs> and then we debrief and, and I say, yeah, I could never pick one either. Um, so where would I focus? To be honest, um, I would go to culture. So the, the, the key approach I use in measuring culture is uh, net promoter score. Um, so if you read any of the work by Bain, uh, they will talk about net promoter score in terms of customer advocacy. Uh, on a scale from zero to 10, how likely are you to recommend our goods or services to a friend or colleague? And you get clarified and classified and, and they do good things. But there's another measure that, that companies that focus on this use, which is employee NPS or ENPS. And, and, and the question there is, how likely are you to recommend working here to a friend? And, uh, and what they've shown in the study, so companies like Apple, quite public with their figures on that, they've shown a very, very strong correlation between employee NPS and customer NPS. So I like it as a tool for measuring culture. I can do it every three months. It's easy. I get great data from it. The data tells me where my hotspots are in my culture um, and where my movement is in my culture. And, uh, and we really focus on that with, with all of our trains. Um, if you're not familiar with NPS, in the end of the day, when a score is calculated, you are somewhere between minus 100 and plus 100. Uh, so, you know, if you're zero, it means the, the typical response to the, the question is uh, seven or eight out of 10. Um, if you're negative, you're getting more sixes and below than you're getting nines and tens and so on and so forth. Um, World-leading companies, uh, I think people like uh, Apple and, and Amazon, they're in that plus 60, plus 70 NPS range. Um, as soon as I started, I, I originally used it on my training courses. Um, I discovered how hard it is to get plus 60 or 70. It was very depressing, to be honest. Um, when we baseline it for NPS in a big corporate, we're usually at about minus 30. Um, that's a typical starting point for a group of frustrated people who feel trapped in a system. Um, minus 30, minus 25, very common starting point. My belief over time, and I wish I had enough samples to really prove it, is that if a release train can get to a plus 20 ENPS, everything else will happen. Because if you can get a passionate culture that's excited about their mission, every other problem they'll find an answer to. They've got to be passionate, excited, and, and really mission-oriented. And, uh, and that's where I love the culture measures. That was SAFE program consultant, trainer, and lean agile coach, Mark Richards. This was an awesome interview, as there was so much to learn and unpack. You've got to love the Aussie term ripper, no matter what the context. If you haven't heard Mark's other interview, I'd recommend you go and listen to that one too, as it's on safe and agile for large, typically monolithic financial systems. I hope you've enjoyed this cast, so feel free to send a comment or feedback to me at darrenby at yahoo.com, as it's all about relentless improvement. Until the next time, ciao for now. <laughs>